0: Hi, today we look at the rest of uh, Lamb to Slaughter. So uh, I'll read the text and uh, simultaneously explain also. Mary Maloney didn't know and she certainly wasn't prepared to take a chance. She carried the meat into the kitchen, placed it in a pan, turned the oven on high and shoved it inside. Then she washed her hands and ran upstairs to the bedroom. Now, see, after the murder of Patrick Maloney, the wife, Mary, is uh, you know, getting rid of the murder weapon, which is the leg of the lamb, into the oven and allowing it to cook. She is then washing her hands and fixing her appearance and doing several other activities. So we'll have to analyse why she does this. The main reason is, after the murder, uh, Mary is all of a sudden realising that uh, the life that she had with her husband is over. And if she gets a death penalty, that would be a relief. But this resolution to survive is kind of, you know, uh, not really uh, permanent because very soon she is overwhelmed by her concern for her child, her unborn child. And this is actually the concern for the unborn child is exceeding her concern for herself and her marriage also. So what we see next is how she tries to prepare for uh, developing what we call as an alibi let me continue then she washed her hands and ran upstairs to the bedroom she sat down before the mirror tidied her hair touched her lips and face she tried a smile it came out rather peculiar she tried again now she is fixing her appearance tidying up her hair and even touching up her face and lips with makeup and uh, she's now going to uh, try practicing speaking and before that she smiles at herself but the smile doesn't come out very natural so this is where we uh, you know kind of understand the effort that she is putting into this let me continue it came out rather peculiar she tried again hello sam she said brightly aloud the voice sounded peculiar too so see she doesn't feel that her voice is you know the natural self so i want some potatoes please sam yes and i think a can of peas so she is standing in front of a mirror smiling at herself and smiling at an imaginary sam who is a local grocer and she's trying to appear as normal as possible so um, the process of cooking the leg of lamb for supper uh, is just a way in which she is trying to destroy the evidence of a crime she has committed a, a murder the murder of her husband patrick maloney and uh, unlike the murder when she committed uh, she had committed it without fully realizing her actions but uh, now the cover-up is clearly premeditated and she is changing before our eyes let me continue that was better both the smile And the voice were coming out better now. She rehearsed it several times more. Then she ran downstairs, took her coat, went out the back door, down the garden, into the street. It wasn't 6 o'clock yet and the lights were still on in the grocery shop. So after she had rehearsed enough, Mary is now going out to the grocery shop and she begins a process. So let's look at the process now. Hello, Sam, she said brightly, smiling at the man behind the counter. Why, good evening, Mrs. Maloney, how are you? I want some potatoes, please, Sam. And yes, and I think a can of peas. The man turned and reached up behind him on the shelf for the peas. Patrick's decided he's tired and doesn't want to eat out tonight, she told him. We usually go out Thursdays, you know. And now he's got me without any vegetables in the house. Then how about meat, Mrs. Maloney? So this is where I stop. Let me tell you, she is going into the grocery shop and chatting briefly. And uh, it is very casual with, uh, you know, the, uh, the conversation that she has with Sam the grocer. And she's pretending that she's gathering food for her husband's dinner. And she's speaking about Patrick, her husband, as if he's still alive. This is very important. So let's look at it again. So um, now the store uh, owner, Sam, the grocer, he had asked, you know, whether she wanted meat. So let's look at the reply. No, I've got meat, thanks. I've got a nice leg of lamb from the freezer. Oh, I don't know much about cooking it frozen, Sam, but I'm taking a chance on it this time you think it'll be all right now let's pause a minute here uh she is discussing things which are not really required but what she is doing is she is trying to establish her alibi by deceiving sam and um by claiming that she's cooking dinner in order to maintain a facade for uh, domestic happiness so this is very important okay so let's continue now <clears throat> So, um, Sam is, uh, you know, uh, kind of listening to uh, her and not knowing what exactly uh, he is uh, answering or in what situation he is actually. So, he says, personally, the grocer said, I don't believe it makes any difference. You want these Idaho potatoes? Now, see, he's very industrious. He's asking whether she wants these huge potatoes and she says, Oh yes, that'll be fine, two of those, okay? So um, what we see is, you know, like she's purchasing and it is very clear that she loves her husband and the husband is very much alive and she wants to please the husband and just like a wonderful grocer, Sam is kind of you know, initiating the purchase of several other things. So let's see. Anything else? The grocer cocked his head on one side and looked at her pleasantly. How about afterwards? What you're going to give him for afterwards now he's actually referring to dessert okay so after dinner what is Mary Melanie uh, planning to give uh, you know Patrick so this is the question so um so when we see this uh the conversation Uh, we see that there is nothing unnatural about this. There is nothing mysterious. She is appearing to be engaged in a conversation and she is very actively engaged in that conversation, which is what we have to understand. So, well, what would you suggest, Sam? Now, this is a very strange question from uh, Mary because Mary is asking the grocer for his suggestion. The man glanced around his shop. How about a nice big slice of cheesecake? I know he likes that. So he's making the suggestion. Sam is making the suggestion and look at her answer. Perfect, she said. He loves it. So this is, you know, the conversation is so very natural and she's talking as if Patrick, her husband, is still alive. This is the magic of her, uh, you know, uh, her talent, how she's establishing her alibi and so strongly too. So, and when it was all wrapped and she had paid, she put on her brightest smile and said, Thank you, Sam. Good night. And Sam replies, Good night, Mrs. Melanie. And thank you. Because, you know, she has been giving a wonderful sale at uh, such a late evening hour and he's very happy. Okay. So um, uh, what we see is, you know, on her way back home, Mary is actually going to decide how she's going to act. So let's look at how she's going to act, uh, you know, normal. Okay, how is she going to act as if everything is normal? So far, so good. In the grocery shop, uh, she had, you know, pulled, uh, you know, all the act together. She had acted very brightly and naturally. Now, uh, let's see how she plans. And now, she told herself, as she hurried back, all she was doing now, she was returning home to her husband. And he was waiting for his supper. Now, see, this is something called as... Uh, you know self-hypnosis you kind of imagine a certain sequence of events happening to you and you imagine that you are kind of you know uh, doing it uh, very successfully also okay so and uh, so let's look at it now he was waiting for his supper and she must cook it good and make it as tasty as possible because the poor man was tired and if when she entered the house she happened to find anything unusual or tragic or terrible then naturally it would be a shock and she'd become frantic with grief and horror see she's imagining that you know she is kind of rehearsing her action and reaction in her mind and she's telling herself to keep things absolutely natural and that there will be no need for any acting at all so let's continue now mind you She wasn't expecting to find anything. She was just going home with the vegetables. Mrs. Patrick Malini going home with the vegetables on Thursday evening to cook supper for her husband. That's the way she told herself. Do everything right and natural. Keep things absolutely natural and there'll be no need for any acting at all. So this is how she, you know, uh, plans everything. So when she gets back, She does exactly that, okay? And let's see how she reacts now, okay? Therefore, when she entered the kitchen by the back door, she was humming a little tune to herself and smiling. See, imagine, Mary Maloney is at the top of her game. She's able to even hum a little tune, okay? So, uh, she is, you know, entering the house with a smile, okay? So, she calls, Patrick, she called. How are you, darling? Now see, she very well knows her husband is dead. But look at her. When she gets back, she does exactly that. You know, whatever she had practiced. She's calling for her husband. And then, let's see what happens. She put the parcel down on the table and went through into the living room. And when she saw him lying there on the floor with his legs doubled up and one arm twisted back underneath his body, it really was rather a shock. Now, this is where I just pause for a minute to explain what exactly she is going to do. See, when she gets back, she is very cheerful. She is even calling out to her husband as if, you know, he's a, he's alive. And then she is becoming shocked at the discovery of his dead body. And she starts crying and reacting. And even later, she calls for the police. So what we see is, you know, she went out, she established her alibi and She was successful in deceiving Sam the grocer. Okay, and uh, she had claimed that she's cooking dinner. So all this is used to maintain a facade, an image of domestic happiness where there is a happy wife who wants to please uh, a very lovely husband and so on. So that story is actually uh, brought to the upfront, to the center stage. And she's also referring to her husband by name for the first time in the story, also. Now, I did tell you the name of uh, the character in advance, but this is the first time that uh, she is calling her husband by the name. So, what we must understand is you know, like uh, prior to um, the murder or his death, Patrick Maloney was unnamed and uh, idealized for his masculinity and his power. And the narrator. And Mary is now is actually uh, kind of, you know, naming him after the murder. And it suggests that uh, there is a dispossession of his masculine power because the dead is uh, kind of, uh, you know, removed of the power that he wielded before, uh, you know, uh, or in the earlier scenes. So in order to maintain her facade, Mary is actually kind of, you know, engaging in what we call as double thinking. That is, she's deceiving herself into behaving in a certain way. But simultaneously, she is remaining aware of that particular deception. So she knows very well that she is deceiving herself into behaving in a peculiar manner. But at the same time, she is aware of what she is doing also. That is where, you know, we see a change happening in Mary Maloney. Okay, so um, let's continue. All the old love and longing for him welled up inside her. So uh, the love that they shared... Mm, uh, the devotion that uh, she had for him and uh, the uh, the desire to be uh, with him is actually rising up welling up means rising inside her and she ran over to him knelt down beside him and began to cry her heart out it was easy no acting was necessary now see this is actually what we call as double think she is behaving she's crying at the same time she knows that you know it's so easy it's so natural okay and she doesn't even have to act Okay, so at one point she is a a premeditated murderer now, but uh, on another point she is a superior person. So this is what, you know, Roald Dahl is actually telling us through the story of Lamb to Slaughter. She is becoming different from the woman that she was earlier. Now she is very, very complex, very, very complicated. Okay, so um with that um you know um we should move on to how exactly she is going to proceed. Okay, so let's see. A few minutes later she got up and went to the phone. She knew the number of the police station, and when the man at the other end answered, she cried to him, Quick, come quick, Patrick's dead. Now the policeman, he's asking, Who's speaking? And she replies, Mrs. Maloney, Mrs. Patrick Maloney. Now see the deception, the wonderful deception that she's doing. She is acting so natural that she's calling to the police department and acting as if she is a worried wife who is concerned that the husband may be dead. Okay, so it's so natural. So she's not identifying herself initially. It's only later that she is identifying. So she is acting a part to perfection. Let's continue. So the policeman at the other end is actually asking, you mean Patrick Maloney is dead? I think so. She sobbed. He's lying on the floor and I think he's dead. And the man is actually, you know, the man in the police department, he's shocked. And he says, be right over. Now, what we have to understand is, you know, the police department is uh, a space where uh, Patrick Maloney and Mary are well known. Now that Mary Maloney is calling and informing that uh, a murder has occurred and she suspects that the husband is dead, definitely we would know that the police would be immediately in action and the police would uh, you know, uh, immediately flock to the scene of the crime and uh, try to do whatever is possible. So let's see. The car came very quickly and when she opened the front door, two policemen walked in. She knew them both. She knew nearly all the men at that precinct and she fell right into a chair, then went over to join the other one who was called O'Malley, kneeling by the body. So what we see is, you know, two policemen, Uh, these policemen, uh, you know, the names will come later, but I'll tell you in advance. The two policemen who are close friends and, uh, you know, former colleagues and friends of Patrick Maloney are Jack Noonan and O'Malley. Okay. So they are coming in and she does uh, the necessary kind of reaction. She's clumping in her chair and not really, you know, um, uh, kind of saying anything. So she looks perfectly uh, the, the role uh, of um, a, a bereaved and agitated and horror-stricken wife. Okay. And uh, see, the next dialogue is very important. Let's look. Is he dead? She cried. I'm afraid he is. What happened? okay now this is a conversation so when she asks uh, this particular uh, you know um question uh, what we must understand is you know like she is well planned she doesn't have any problem at all regarding this particular aspect she doesn't have any problem at all and added to that what we see is you know like she is well versed in how to handle this particular aspect this is something that you have to keep in your mind so uh now Briefly, she told her story about going out to the grocer and coming back to find him on the floor. While she was talking, crying and talking, Noonan discovered a small patch of congealed blood on the dead man's head. Now congealed is actually clotted, okay, clotted blood on the dead man's head. He showed it to O'Malley, who got up at once and hurried to the phone. So as soon as they realized that, you know, this man had been struck on the head, they realized that this is actually foul play. And there is, you know, the question of murder, uh, you know, uh, kind of almost established here. So that's why O'Malley is actually going to the the phone. And uh, so uh, what we see is, you know, she's still crying when Mary is actually telling them that she had gone to the grocer. And later when she came back, uh, she had discovered him uh, in a heap and uh, he appeared to be dead and everything. So this is very important. Mary is actually cleverly incorporating uh, you know, several kernels or bits of truth into her story. So using this uh, technique of incorporating aspects of uh, you know, t- real truth, Mary is able to deceive the police who is, uh, you know, going to uh, not suspect her at all because her alibi is wonderful. Okay, let's continue now. Soon, other men began to come into the house. First a doctor, then two detectives, one of whom she knew by name. Later, a police photographer arrived and took pictures and a man who knew about fingerprints. There was a great deal of whispering and muttering beside the cops. The detectives kept asking her a lot of questions. Now, what you must understand is, you know, like very soon, uh, more policemen than a doctor, maybe a forensic doctor than a photographer and a fingerprint expert is arriving and asking Mary plenty of questions. But they're also treating her very kindly. Okay. So Mary is now recounting the story and mentioning uh, several details uh, and uh, we'll look at how she's adding several details and this is something that you have to understand, how she's weaving this particular story. But they always treated her kindly. She told her story again, this, ty- this time, right from the beginning, when Patrick had come in and she was sewing. And he was tired, so tired, that he hadn't wanted to go out for supper. She told him how she'd put the meat in the oven. It's there now, cooking. And how she'd slopped out to the grocer for vegetables. And come back to find him lying on the floor. Now, this is, uh, you know, how uh, she's relating. This time, she's actually relating uh, many number of details, like, you know, especially Patrick's tiredness how she had been stitching and how uh, the meat was cooking in the oven and uh, to uh, which uh, shop uh, she was going and so on. So um, as soon as she starts, you know, um, really uh, narrating this, uh, the police will be definitely, uh, you know, kind of attention. So let's see what happens now. So which grocer? One of the detectives asked. So uh, see, this is just what I told you. Uh, They are, you know, trying to uh, test or check whether her alibi is correct, whether she is innocent as such. So that's why the detective is asking whether uh, or the name of the grocer. She told him and he turned and whispered something to the other detective who immediately went out outside into the street. So one of the detectives is actually going out and confirming her story with Sam. So this is also, you know, a great skill which uh, she is employing. And uh, to our amazement, see, um, Mary is actually able to deceive the police who uh, uh, who are really at this point, uh, uh, you know, not suspecting her as a real culprit. So uh, there is something that you have to notice over here. See, her husband, Patrick, uh, had always ignored her and never reciprocated, um, uh, you know, his wife's love. But what we see now is, you know, after the death of Patrick, The various detectives and the police force who are here, the men who are here, who are investigating Patrick's murder, they are all treating Mary with kindness. In fact, it almost goes to the level of condescension, okay, at times. So, this is actually signaling a kind of a change in her traditionally subordinate gender role. Earlier, she was the caregiver. But now she's actually at the receiving end. The men seem to be treating her with kindness and she is at the receiving end. So she's no longer the traditionally subordinate, uh, you know, female gender as such. So, in 15 minutes, he was back with a page of notes and there was more whispering. And through her sobbing, she heard a few of the whispered phrases. Acted quite normal, very cheerful wanted to give him a good supper. Peace, cheesecake, impossible that she... Now see, this man is reading from the notes. So it's very clear that Sam had vividly recalled what had just, uh, you know, a, f- a few hours ago happened. So Sam has given a lot of uh, input and um, the detective is actually uh, you know towards the end when he says impossible that she what he means is it's impossible that she could have murdered her husband so here her alibi is you know cleverly established she is you know uh, uh, almost proven uh, not guilty and the police are not going to look at her as a real culprit okay so how does the story emerge let's look at it further After a while, the photographer and the doctor departed, and two other men came in and took the corpse away on a stretcher. Then the fingerprint man went away. The two detectives remained, and so did the two policemen. They were exceptionally nice to her, and Jack Noonan asked if she would rather go somewhere else to her sister's house, perhaps, or to his own wife, who would take care of her. And put her up for the night. Now, see, what you must understand is, you know, like uh, uh, they carried uh, Patrick's body to, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, autopsy and uh, further examination. So after Patrick's body is removed, the photographer and uh, the fingerprint experts are leaving. And the policeman and the detectives are remaining behind. And they are exceptionally nice to her. Okay, they are trying to make Mary very comfortable by offering several things like she's offered first, um, you know, the company of her own sister or she's given secondly, the choice to be with Jack Noonan's wife. Okay, so um, she has this choice and Mary is refusing. Okay, Mary is going to refuse. So, let's see. No, she said, she didn't feel she could even move, sorry, she could move even a yard at the moment. Would they mind awfully if she stayed just where she was until she felt better? She didn't feel too good at the moment. She really didn't. Okay. So, this is uh, where we understand that, you know, Mary is clearly refusing and the policemen are going to allow her to stay while they are going to search for more evidence. Okay. So, um, let's look at the analysis wherein, see, earlier we saw Mary Melanie. She had put so much energy. Uh, into her efforts, into her actions, every time to please her husband. But whenever she tried to please her husband, she was always rejected. But we see now that it is Mary who is actually refusing the efforts of the policemen who are attempting to comfort her. So uh, what is uh, very interesting is that the policemen are offering to send her to her sister's place or to Jack Noonan's wife. But it carries with it the assumption that, you know, that women uh, and especially a woman like Mary Maloney are caregivers by nature and that they could never be, uh, you know, uh, capable of violence. Okay, so again, this is allowing Mary to uh, not just, uh, you know, uh, establish her alibi, but to escape suspicion also. So um, we will uh, conclude uh, for the present. Uh, We'll continue in the next class. And uh, yeah, um, I hope you've understood. If there is any doubt, uh, we can clarify that later. And uh, if there are any uh, more explanations that you require, we will do it when we meet again on uh, Google Meet uh, in the class. Okay. All right, then. Thank you so much for your attention. Hope you have uh, learned, uh, um, you know, quite a bit about the progress of the story. All right, have a nice day.